Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. On episode number 97, following up from episode number 96, last week I talked about 10 players that I've been trying to buy this offseason. Now I want to talk about 10 players that I'm looking to sell. Um, there's plenty of players that I could put on this list, players that I just don't like. But in particular, I wanted to write and, and podcast here about players that actually had a little bit of a rise in their value because of circumstances that have happened this offseason, making their price go up just a little bit. But I'm still not interested, and I don't buy it, so I'm willing to sell the players that we're going to talk about today. I'll start with number one. Number one is Cam Newton. Cam, of course, signed in New England last week, making him the presumed starter in New England. His dynasty value has bounced right back in response to the signing. He's uh, not valued as a top five dynasty quarterback like he was five years ago, but he's bounced back in the top 15 to 20 range, I would say, among quarterbacks after he signed in New England. Uh, But I only moved him up to quarterback number 26 in my rankings. Uh, Several reasons lead me to believe that Cam is a better player to sell than to buy right now. Cam, first of all, signed a one-year incentive-laden contract, which proves that New England can release him at any time of the season, if not this offseason. Second, Cam's fantasy value has always come uh, in large part, maybe apart from the 2015 season, has been linked to his running ability. And I really feel like his running ability is a very diminished skill. And Cam, in his 31-year-old season he's about to start, he's joined a team that has never really featured a running quarterback, so that would be interesting too. Uh, the pieces just don't fit for me. I think Cam Newton's uh, set a league, set the league by storm in his first few years because he was a dual threat, but he could become like the next RG3, kind of that kind of a flame out. Of course, RG3 did it quickly. Cam's had a much longer history, but I see something like that happening here with Cam. Um, I would still love you know, to have him on the side in a two-quarterback league, possibly, but I think that he's one that I would be looking to sell. Second is Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Jimmy G has not uh, had considerable spike in his dynasty value this offseason, but he has risen just a little bit, I think, based on the addition of Brandon Ayuk that they drafted. Um, also growing confidence in their head coach, Kyle Shanahan. Everyone wants a part of him to be a part of his offense. But I think the 49ers are going to continue to be a run-first team, and it just needs they just need an efficient quarterback to manage their offense and distribute the ball to all their athletic players who really try to make plays after the catch or after the handoff. Running backs are the only star players in the Shanahan offense, but you, even then you never know which one it's going to be from week to week. I think Garoppolo is a little too inconsistent to be an every-week starter in Dynasty Leagues. I don't think that's going to change with the additional players or additional experience. I think we've seen what we have seen in him, which is why I traded him for uh, Daniel Jones in one of my leagues. Next player is Darius Geis. I think Geis's value has not risen this offseason in my estimation, but I have seen a lot of teams pick him up in trades, or I've seen him be offered to me in trades. So he's kind of a dicey one. Uh, His draft capital suggests that he should be the lead running back in Washington this year, but there's just too many barriers, I think, for him to be doing, to to take on that role. Washington added Peyton Barber in free agency and drafted Antonio Gibson in the third round and re-signed Adrian Peterson to another couple years. All these signs point to the idea that Washington is questioning their future, the future of this 2018 second round pick in Geis. 
He's the more ta- he's the most talented quarter uh, running back in Washington, I believe. Uh, but he's just not held as second round value based on his injuries and really the reported off field questions about his character and work ethic. Um, I'd try to find someone who, who does not know these facts or is a believer because there's kind of people go either one or two ways on him. They either want him or they don't. So I've seen him bought by several people. I would be on the selling end of Darius Geis. Next is running back Tevin Coleman. Coleman's value spiked quickly this week after Raheem Mostert asked for a new contract or a trade, right? Sell Coleman if you can. If you can capitalize on this, I would be willing to do it. I believe this will be his very last opportunity to do so of his career. Mostert has already proved to be better than Coleman by performing so well at the end of the season and in the playoffs. Plus, Coleman was handpicked by uh, Kyle Shanahan, yet he's been replaced by the journeyman Mostert. Uh, everyone thought that that was where his loyalty lies was to Coleman, but Shanahan definitely at the end of the year started Mostert more, and he played better. Coleman is injury-prone and unable to lead, uh, be the lead back in San Francisco, I believe. More importantly, Mostert has no leverage in his contract extension talks other than bailing, trying to just try to ball out this year and prove that he, even though he's 28 years old, deserves a bigger contract. That's his best leverage, just play one more solid year. I don't think he's going to continue this holdout. 49ers will never pay a running back a huge contract, <laughs> given the uniqueness of their offensive system, but no team will pay Mostert either, what he, at least what he thinks that he deserves. He's worth far more in Shanahan's scheme than he is anywhere else. So Mostert has to stay in San Francisco, I believe, and his best bet is to sign a modest contract with the 49ers and continue to play ahead of Tevin Coleman. Controversy on this next one, but I would be willing to sell Kenyon Drake right now. Drake's value is by far the highest it's ever been of his career, and rightly so after breaking out in Arizona at the end of last year and after he was traded there from Miami. He definitely won Dynasty Team's championships by how well he played at the end of the year. I know I lost in the championship thanks to Drake. But I still have questions about his ability to be an RB1 in a Dynasty League. Chase Edmonds played very well and even better than Drake in two of his starts when when uh David Johnson was injured. Edmonds could be as good or better than Drake, I believe. Plus, Arizona drafted Eno Benjamin in the seventh round. While it is only a seventh round pick, it shouldn't feel like it would be a threat, but I actually really like Benjamin, particularly with what his skills and passing game can do for Arizona as well. Drake, of course, only signed a one-year extension with Arizona, meaning they didn't really commit to him. It's, It's actually Edmonds and Benjamin now who have the longer contracts and will have an opportunity to prove themselves because if they can prove themselves, they'd be happy to let the $18 million contract go for Kenyon Drake and continue with either Edmonds or Benjamin, or Eno Benjamin next year. Next would be uh, Darius Slayton. Slayton was a surprise breakout last year after being drafted in the fifth round by the Giants in 2019. He is a, definitely a big play artist. He had 15.4 yards per reception, and he scored on 17% of his catches were touchdowns. So that's pretty pretty amazing stats. Both stats will likely never be repeated, I, I don't believe, for the rest of his year as far as the yards per play and the percentage of, of catches being touchdowns. Most of his fantasy points were between the weeks 5 and 10 when Sterling Shepard was injured and Evan Ingram missed several games in that same time period as well. I think Slayton did show the big pay play ability, but if owners were banking on him doing that again and becoming a lead receiver in New York, that's the type of owner that I'd be trying to sell uh, Slayton to. In 2019, it could have actually even been the best year of his career, I would say. I sold Darius Slayton uh, just this last week in a trade as well. Next would be Nikhil Harry. 
I think Harry's value has risen a little bit just based on his draft capital. You know, it's kind of held his value, but then also when Cam Newton signed, I think Harry's value went up just a little bit. But I really think that's false hope. I don't really feel like if Cam is the starter there that his skills match uh, what Harry is, is great at doing. He's an excellent prospect, but he's got tons of injuries and his circumstances have really crushed his value. Cam's not the kind of quarterback to, to elevate uh, receivers. You know, he had one year with, I think, Kelvin Benjamin was about his best year that he really elevated uh, a wide receiver. So I don't think that he can do it with Harry. Harry's skills are uh, really those that kind of can makes great contested catches, boundary catches, and deep ball catches. He's kind of a go-get-it kind of player, and that's really not the type of way that Cam Newton has been effective in making receivers great with those uh, skill sets. I don't see it. Someone probably still believes in him. I'd be trying to sell Nikhil Harry. Next is Deontay Johnson, perhaps one of the biggest hyped uh, players this offseason for sure. Some analysts have gone so far as to say that his value is starting to surpass Juju Smith-Schuster, which I think is crazy. I think there's no, not only no way his dynasty value compares to Juju, let alone to possibly James Washington. Juju's already proven himself to be a number one wide receiver. He's younger than Johnson already, and even though even though Johnson was a rookie last year. And you can't forget about James Washington. He's the same age as Johnson as well, was drafted around earlier than Johnson, so he's got more draft capital, and he had more snaps than Johnson last year after Juju was lost for the season with his injury. Pittsburgh drafted, of course, another third-round wide receiver in Chase Claypool, just kind of what the Pittsburgh Steelers do. And here's the thing. Roethlisberger was injured last year, so he didn't really establish rapport with any of those receivers. Really, Juju's the only one that he could say that with. James Washington, I feel like, has better draft capital. I mean, I know he does in the second round. He was a higher draft pick um, in our dynasty drafts years ago as well. So I think that he has a much better chance of becoming the wide receiver, too, in Pittsburgh uh, behind Juju. I'd be trying to sell on the hype of Deontay Johnson. Two more. We'll go to the tight end position. Players that I'm trying to sell is Tyler Higby. Higby's one of the highest scoring six-week stretches of any tight end to end the season last year. He averaged almost seven catches and more than 90 yards in the last six weeks of the season. He was definitely a surprise contributor to many fantasy championships. Again, I was in one last year, lost largely because Higby did so well in week 16 in the Super Bowl of our dynasty leagues. However, I think that Higby's contributions on offense came only after Gerald Everett's injury and a major shift in the offensive scheme in Los Angeles. At the end of the season, the Rams moved from to playing a lot of two tight end sets more than they ever had done before under Sean McVay. And I don't believe this is a permanent shift in McVay's philosophy. I think it was a temporary change based on poor running back play and the injuries they had at the running back position in a very, very weak offensive line. Granted, they've done nothing to address the offensive line this offseason, so perhaps that's just what it is. I think that uh, Everett, Everett was injured the last six weeks. That's really when Higby took off. I think it's very dangerous to think that the last six weeks of 2019 are a safe projection for the years to come for Higby. It appears to be just uh, a reflection of the team's need and a kind of a playoff push that they were going on trying to get into the playoffs at the end of last season. I don't think it's enough evidence to believe that Higby's a top 10 tight end like some think. I think I have him ranked 14, so outside of the top 10, but I know he's in the top 10 in many owner's rankings. Haven't been able to sell him. I've been trying in the two leagues where I have him, and I can't get any takers, though. One's even a tight end premium league, and I can't get someone to get him. And finally, last tight end, Jay Sternberger. I think Sternberger's stock has risen just a little bit in this offseason because Green Bay hadn't didn't sign, uh, draft a tight end, rather, um, and they didn't even draft a wide receiver in the draft. So those things made Stern, Sternberger, even though he didn't play hardly at all last year, 
it did make people a little bit more hopeful. Also, given the fact that if people remember the playoff game, he did have a touchdown catch, his only touchdown catch of the season in the playoffs. So those things made his stock rise just a little bit. But I think it's pretty presumptuous to believe that Sternberger will be a starting tight end for the Packers next, next year, let alone a very targeted position. Green Bay appears to be moving toward more of a run-first offense, and even in their you know past-first days, Rodgers didn't target tight ends very well, with the exception of Jermichael Finley, who was really the only tight end that he made super uh, relevant, or at least highly targeted. Dynasty owners uh, point to the absence of competition as a reason to rise Sternberger's value, but I look at it as a reason to suspect tight ends will have actually no value in Green Bay. So there you have it, my friends. Those are the 10 players that I'm actually trying to sell. Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Darius Geis, Tevin Coleman, Kenyon Drake, Darius Slayton, Nikhil Harry, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Higby, and Jace Sternberger, all on my sell list. Let me know if you make any trades this week and acquire them and think that I'm crazy, or if, like me, you can find a way to sell them. That's going to be a wrap. Short podcast this week as I'm out of town and probably won't be podcasting next week, but uh, thank you for listening. That's a wrap, my freaky friends. Again, contact me anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so email me is best. Again, I would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support, and I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.